Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Jalenta. Yeah, Kristen. We all know I'm the self-help skeptic on this show, right? Yes, you are the full-on self-help naysayer. Well, supposedly there is a self-help book specifically for people like me. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Wait, hold on. Is this going to be the episode where you finally become a self-help lover like me? Well, we're about to find out because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. Your life is going down the drain, you're in so much pain, so you need some help. Ooh, yes, some self-help. By the book, by the book, by the book, by the book, In each episode of By the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed our lives. Today, our book is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living a Good Life by Mark Manson. Mark Manson is an entrepreneur, a blogger, and by his own definition, a privileged white guy born into a wealthy family. Growing up, he dabbled with drugs, and by the time he was in his mid-twenties, he was a partying womanizer whose definitions of success centered around how many women he could bed, how many stamps he could get into his passport, and how high he could live on the hog. But despite enjoying lots of temporary thrills, Mark felt little in the way of lasting fulfillment. He began to wonder if he was a little too obsessed with chasing happiness all the time, and he questioned whether America's cultural obsession with positivity was just exacerbating his own pain, insecurities, and failures. After all, his inability to be as happy as he thought he should be made him feel inadequate on top of feeling unhappy. And so, Mark made a decision. He was going to say, fuck trying to be happy all the time, 
Fuck caring about what other people think about me. Fuck using my pain as an excuse to act like a prick. And fuck seeing myself as a unique flower who no one else could possibly understand. There was a lot that Mark began saying fuck no to. But there were also things Mark realized he really and truly gave a fuck about. He decided he gave way more fucks about being a good friend than he did about being liked by a bunch of acquaintances. He realized he gave a boatload more fucks about having a fulfilling marriage than he did about impressing other dudes with how many women he's bagged. And as he got more and more selective with the fucks he gave, he found himself more at peace with himself, more accepting of his own flaws and less in conflict with his pain. Mark wrote about his realizations on his popular blog, markmanson.com, and eventually he distilled his thoughts in the book The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Since being published in 2016, the book has become a New York Times bestseller and has sold roughly half a million hardcover copies. Here's how you do it. Step one, responsibility. Take responsibility for everything that occurs in your life, regardless of who's at fault. We don't always control what happens to us. Many things are not our fault but we always control how we interpret what happens to us, as well as how we respond. The more we choose to accept responsibility in our lives, the more power we will exercise over our lives. Step two, uncertainty. Acknowledge your own ignorance and cultivate constant doubt in your own beliefs. Instead of striving for certainty, be in constant search of doubt. Doubt your own beliefs, doubt your own feelings, doubt what the future may hold for you unless you get out there and create it for yourself. Instead of looking to be right all the time, look for how you're wrong all the time. Being wrong opens us up to the possibilities of change, learning, and greater connection with others. Step three, failure. Discover your own flaws and mistakes so that they may be improved upon. Then get to work. If you're stuck on a problem, don't sit there and think about it. Just start working on it. Even if you don't know what you're doing, the simple act of working on it will eventually cause the right ideas to show up in your head. Step four, rejection. Develop the ability to both say and hear no. This will help you to clearly define what you will and will not accept in your life. For example, if you choose to make your marriage the most important part of your life, you may need to start saying no to the thrill of one-night stands with hookers. Set boundaries. Encourage those in your life to do the same for you. Step 5. The Contemplation of One's Mortality While death is bad, it is inevitable. Therefore, we should not avoid this realization, but rather come to terms with it as best we can. Because once we become comfortable with the fact of our own death, we can then choose our values more freely, unrestrained by the illogical quest for immortality and freed from dangerous, dogmatic views. Remind yourself, you too are going to die, and that's because you too were fortunate enough to have lived. You may not feel this, but go stand on a cliff, and maybe you will. That's what the book says, and so that's what we did for two weeks straight. Kristen, I have got to hear about your first week of living by the subtle art of not giving a fuck. How'd it go? All right. So for week one, I focused on the first two steps— taking responsibility and embracing uncertainty. I started with the responsibility part. And as you know, I like mm -hmm. to think I'm pretty good at taking responsibility for what's thrown my way. And even when that's shit, I try to turn it into ice cream. I do try shit my very best. I, it's delicious. Okay. It's I just delicious. never heard that. Because, I love the turn of phrase. Yeah. Well, I did that because I decided to take responsibility and nice. frame it that way. You are like mo the most responsible person I know. So, <laughs> Well, Sorry. I like to think so. 
but I talked with Dean about it, and this is what he had to say. So I, I think you're really good at finding the joy in life, but I also think you spend a lot of time taking the weight of the past on your shoulders. And, I don't know, taking highest responsibility or, like, worrying about the things that you did. Like, like when your nana and your mom passed away within a year of each other, you were devastated. And, and you talk about how you wasted time or whatever. And I, I don't... But I, I did waste time, honey. I was, I was essentially paralyzed. I was emotionally in a holding pattern for years, not doing anything emotionally healthy for myself. I was going through the motions. I spent years off and on with a boyfriend who I knew wasn't a good fit for me. I, I was wasting my time. I was frozen in time. And so what's wrong with that? Well... So many people have said to me over the years, when my mom died, I knew life was short and I immediately knew that I couldn't waste another minute. And whenever I hear things like that, it's hard for me not to think, why didn't, why wasn't I more responsible for my life back then? Why couldn't I get it together? Why did I waste all that time? Whatever happened in the past happened in the past because who you were then had to deal with what happened then the way you dealt with it. You dealt with it the best way you could. And sometimes we deal with pain by being paralyzed. We all do it. You dealt with it the way you dealt with it. And that was the right way for you. Oh, Dean. America's favorite husband. (laughs) But he's totally right. I know that. And I I know that for those people who ever criticize me about that, I fuck really should say fuck them. Yeah, don't fuck give a them. fuck about them. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, what about step two? You did that one too, right? Yeah, embracing uncertainty. Well, right, right. I, I tried to. I, okay, so. Embrace it. <laughs> it's hard to embrace. It's so uncertain. Like, where is it? I can't hug it. Like, <laughs> Am I making it up in my head? Yeah, is, is, there in, such is a uncertainty, uncertainty even real? I don't know. I don't know. So, reminder, this is the part I'm where <laughs> we have to think that we're wrong all the time. And I'll just say it. I think this is probably a good exercise for rich, heterosexual, cisgender men like Mark Manson. Holla! But the fact is that most women already live their lives this way. We're raised from an early age to question ourselves, to develop imposter syndrome, to apologize when things aren't our fault. And women of color, I'd say that we get this message twice as hard as anyone. And I hate this message. And I fight it every day. But the book says we had to do it. So as much as it pained me, I tried to embrace uncertainty, but I sucked at it. I sucked very, very badly at it. <laughs> and here is a one example of me sucking at it. I'm venting to Dean here about just blowing it. Nice. I know I've been bitching about this all night, but I'm just going to do it again. That guy was wrong. And I know I'm supposed to be, oh, I'm uncertain. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not right all the time. But when that white dude tonight tried to mansplain to me the female minority perspective, <laughs> specifically talking about Meghan Markle, uh, Yeah, well. you know I wanted to lunge across that table and fucking strangle him. Yeah, I did too a little bit. No, white dude, you do not do that. You do not explain to other people that Meghan Markle is not black enough when you are a white dude explaining this to me. Uh, you should give less fucks. <laughs> I think that's the whole point of the book, honey. No, it's saying that one of the things I, mean, I need I to do here is like... I agree with you 100% the guy was a douche nozzle. 
But um, I, you, uh, you have to let that wash over you. I know that's a fight that you fight. You fight that fight whenever you see it, as you should. Um, no, honey, I should not just give zero fucks about this one. I this know, is, I know this is an important Not one. only that, but frankly, honey, it was my responsibility, and frankly, it was probably yours too, honey, mm-hmm. to shut him the fuck up. Yeah, it probably was. I literally just gave snaps yeah. <laughs> to Kristen while we were listening to that clip. Yeah. No, I'm glad you gave a fuck. And I think if more people gave fucks about little things like that, like this could stop systemic racism and sexism if we all called each other out on dumb little comments, even over drinks or whatever. I don't know if you were at drinks, but we, we were at a party. But I assume actually. you were drinking. And we were trying to we were trying to keep the party jolly. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to embrace uncertainty. But. It's hard. Not only was this guy mansplaining about, like, a female minority experience, but he was mansplaining about your girl, Meghan Markle. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Prince Harry's fiance. Yeah, I know you're obsessed with her and the royals, and, like, you identify with her pretty hard, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's half black and she's half white, and you're allowed to tell her what she's not doing good enough with one side of her race or the other. Yeah, maybe she's just a human and, like, is living her own life and dating who she wants to date and, like, can go have her human life and no one needs to give a fuck. Let's get to you. I, I want to hear about your week one, Jolenta. Oh, okay. So this book came at a very crappy time in my life, Kristen. Uh, I had just come down with the flu, like the real flu where my doctor's like, you might need to go to the hospital. This could kill you. Like, yeah, it's you're like that 1912 sick. version like you the have. Like yeah. the bad flu. Yeah. And my dog had just gotten mauled by a much bigger dog and barely survived. So that was the hellscape over which I was living by the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, you guys were a complete mess. And at the same time, let's not forget Brad had laryngitis. Oh, right. And Brad, my my husband, just couldn't speak. So he was taking care of all of us, (laughs) just mute. Like, it was a great time. Oh, God. Uh, So really, I started week one with step five. Confronting my own mortality. Classic Jolenta, just skipping yep. all the other steps of the book. Good I mean, job. come on, Kristen, can you blame me? My dog almost died. Like, at one point, my husband had to call me from the dog emergency room to be like, does Frank have a DNR? Like, does he want to be resuscitated? Oh, so, you know, after confronting my dog's mortality, it was pretty natural to just shift over onto my own and make it about me. Yeah. But... I don't think I need to confront death in a, like, stand-on-a-cliff kind of way. Sorry, Mark Manson. I've almost died a few times in very non-sexy ways, like with appendicitis and MRSA. What's MRSA uh, again? Remind it's, us. It's an antibacterial-resistant staph infection that can poison your blood and then cause heart failure. Oh, God. I almost had to get, like, my foot amputated because I had a MRSA infection in my ankle from a bug bite. Oh, my God. Um, but I did realize... I never sat down and told my husband that I wanted uh, to be DNR, do not resuscitate. So I did that. Does oh, that count as confronting my own mortality? We had like a talk about it. Oh, yeah. We ended up researching what DNR means. We both decided we would not like, uh, you know, super extreme measures to keep us alive if we're already pretty dead. This is like way better as far as confronting your mortality than Mark Manson's dumb stand on a cliff thing, actually. Oh, really? This oh, I so thought much... I was, like, no. cheating because I was like, I'm doing this at home because I'm sick no, and, this like, is maybe so I'm much... phoning this in. But this is we so much more legit. Oh, so much more. good. Great. Yeah, I totally Great. approve of this. Great. Awesome. So after I did step five, I did step one. Good. <laughs> Responsibility. Um, and because my dog was in such bad physical shape, uh, he was giving me plenty to be responsible for. 
he got a bite right on his throat. <laughs> this is gross. And he had these drains like coming out of the skin in his neck. He it, looked like Frankenstein. And by like the way, his, his name, name is Frank. Frank. <laughs> so he was Frank, the little Frankenstein. He was so cute. He's wearing a giant blue cone all the time. He just looked so sad and he had he needed constant supervision. He was so uncomfortable. So to make him more comfortable, Brad and I would have these little neck rub sessions for him oh. where we'd take off his cone and with very clean hands, we'd rub him and pat him a little where he wasn't allowed to scratch. And during one of these doggy neck rubs, Brad got super sad because he was the one walking the dog when the dog got bit. So I took this opportunity to talk about responsibility versus fault with him, uh, which is something that Mark outlines in the book. Why do you feel so upset? He's supposed to look like his old self, and he doesn't. He looks like a dog with huge stitches and a really messed up shave. Mm-hmm. But you know I don't blame you for it. It's not your fault. You don't know that? It's it's our responsibility to take care of him. I see it. But it's not our fault he got bit. It's not your fault he got bit. I know. All we can do is make him comfortable and be responsible for him to heal, right? Just because, oh, oh, do I feel good? Am I scratching a good spot? Oh, there goes the leg. Oh, baby. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Hey, look at how happy we're making him right now. Giving him a little rub and a scratch. Oh, poor Brad. I don't want Brad to feel bad about this. I'm glad you talked with him about this. Yeah, I think it worked. You know, we could have blamed ourselves for what happened. We could have gotten pissed at the dog owner whose dog bit him. We could blame one another. But instead, we chose not to give a fuck about those things and just focus on what we're actually responsible for, things like doggy neck rubs. If you need help with those doggy neck rubs, I'll totally rub Frank's neck. Frank is very willing to accept guest neck rubbers. (laughs) Um, What about step two, uncertainty? Uh, Well, similarly to you, I read this step and I thought, fuck you, dude. (laughs) Manson goes on and on about learning to doubt himself. But I think that is because he is a self-admitted, spoiled, white, womanizing douchebag. So I think when, you know, you're a guy like him and you've never been told no before, you might need to learn how to doubt yourself once in a while. Oh, yeah. But not... Maybe not me. No, no. (laughs) You know, I go to therapy to stop doubting every move I make. I take medication so I can stop, like, judgmental cyclical thoughts. I highly doubt I need to question myself more than I already do. But I figured I had to question something. And then something fell in my lap. And what was that? It was actually something you said to me, Kristen. Really? Yeah. What? You said what? something really jarring to me at work one oh. day. Uh, and so when I got home, I talked to Brad about it. I'm sorry. No, just to be listen. Jarring. Calm down. Just listen. Kristen brought up something to me the other day. She asked me if I would stop calling myself a garbage person. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think you should say it. I don't think it's good to say something like that about yourself. And I'm like, I am kind of a garbage person. Like, I'm kind of a garbage person. 
You're not a garbage person. I like garbage things and do garbage things. Like, you but know, I'll eat it's... a box of Cheez-Its and watch old Bravo shows for a day. Like, that's garbage person. Yeah, I think it's fine to admit that, like, sometimes, like, you're not the healthiest version of yourself. But if you genuinely think that... If you saying it makes you end up genuinely thinking that, like, you're, like, lesser than everyone else most of the time, then, like, that's not cool. But that's just the truth. Oh, you think that? Sometimes, yeah. Well, sometimes. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, but often? Like, yeah, that's like... Do you go around most of your day thinking you're a worse version of a person than most yeah. people? Yeah, that's like what depression and anxiety is. Oh, well, that's very sad then. So, yeah. So then maybe you should try to, like, nah. use language that affirms you a little bit more and not dwell in that sad space because i know that you are not a like i'm I'm not a real garbage i know you're not more garbagey than most of the people out there yeah i know that Uh, i thought i was a little no yes oh my god i was so worried that it was going to be something like when you said jarring i thought it was going to be it was jarring but it wasn't mean i am so glad also that brad's on my side in this one because you are not garbage you're yeah. not garbage, and Fine. <laughs> I just want you to be nicer to yourself. And remember those rules we learned a few weeks ago in what to say when you talk to yourself. You guys throw that right. language away. Say fuck that language. Fuck that language. Yeah, when it comes to um, some of my self-defeating habits, it may be a good idea to doubt my beliefs, like beliefs I'm a garbage person. You're not a garbage person, so I'm glad you're doubting that. Good. Yeah. Thank Good. you. Thank you. So that's where I ended week one. That is a great note to end week one on. I'm really glad. Oh, thanks. So before we get to week two, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, do let. Okay. Gang. Take a break. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Hey guys, we want to tell you about a new podcast that we are loving. Forever 35 is a podcast about taking care of yourself without taking yourself too seriously. Hosts Kate Spencer and Dori Shafrir aren't experts They're just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. They have a diverse range of creative guests like book publicist and poet Kima Jones, podcaster and writer Jane Marie, and YA author Jenny Han. They cover topics like beauty, self-care, skincare, sleep habits, meal planning, working out, fashion, and more, all with an irreverent yet informative and relatable tone. Forever 35 airs weekly on Thursdays. Plus, Kate and Dory are now posting weekly mini-eps featuring reader questions about everything from workout routines to lipsticks. Forever 35, it's for anyone who's 35 at heart. To listen to this show, find Forever 35 and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. 
You can learn more about the show at forever35podcast.com and also join the conversation on the podcast Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash forever35podcast. Kristen, we talked about week one of living by the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Now let's talk about week two. How did that go? All right. So I started off week two with failure. That's step three. And by the way, I think failure is an overly strong word. I don't like the word failure. As Clarence the Angel says in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, here comes Christmas. Yeah, damn straight. No man is a failure who has friends. That's right, because he is correct. You are not a failure if you have friends. So... I decided to use the word mistake instead of failure here, and I do make a ton of mistakes. I make so many mistakes every day, and some of those mistakes are horrible, and some are not such a big deal. And for this part of the book, I chose to address something that wasn't a huge deal but still worth tackling, and that is our Facebook community page. What? Specifically, I noticed that the community page only had about 700 followers, while our main Buy the Book Facebook page had over 1,400 followers. And I set out to fix that. Oh, and reminder to listeners, the main Buy the Book Facebook page just has announcements about the show, while our Facebook community has a bunch of conversations and personal stories from listeners and myself and Kristen. Yeah. So without giving it much thought, I pinned a note to the top of our main Facebook page explaining the difference between the two pages. And then when I saw new community page requests coming in, I thought, hey, we should be finding a way to weed out the robots because I accidentally let in a bunch of robots and maybe get some information from the listeners at the same time. So I added a brief questionnaire with the most important question being, how did you hear about the show? And the result, we gained 400 Facebook community members in only one week. And our marketing team is super happy that we're gleaning more information from our listeners. Wow, nice. That's why you did that? I was so impressed the other week. I was like, Kristen's crushing at life. Like, I'm never as good of a worker as Kristen. Oh, that's malarkey. This was for the book. I was just trying to, you know approach something that was a mistake or a failure to use Mark's stupid yeah, language. That's not a failure. It's, it's not a failure. It's just something that could be corrected. Like, it could be we corrected. Yes. Yeah. And we worked on it and you're helping to track all the listener responses oh, too. It's so, so much fun for me. It's really fun. It's really fun. So I really enjoyed doing that. And, nice. and I feel a sense of accomplishment. Nice. Nice. Uh, what about rejection? All right. For that, I decided to dun, 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 give up alcohol for a week. What? Yes. Week two. What about frozen drinks and Prosecco? (laughs) I love my frozen drinks. I love my Prosecco. And on top of that, during the holidays, I really love my holiday cocktail, which my friend Sarah Bentley calls the Merry Kristen. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) You have a drink called the Merry Kristen? Yes. Go to the bar, order it, trademark it, copyright it. That's right. The Merry Kristen. What is it? It's half Bailey's and half bourbon on the rocks. And it tastes just like Christmas in a glass. Just those two things. One part Bailey's, one part bourbon on the rocks. Yum. See how excited I am talking about alcohol? Uh, I of know. Of course I have to give it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the holidays, that's kind of a long period. For me, it's months. It's months long. Yeah. Um, this Christmas year, starts in October for Kristen. Yes. And this year, you know, we started it earlier because of the little book of Hugo we were living by. Mm, right, right. And the Classic holidays excuse. for me include <laughs> Thanksgiving, Christmas, Boxing Day, my birthday, Dean's birthday, New Year's. There's a lot of holidays packed in there. And what I realized was that drinking started to feel less like a celebration and more kind of like the status quo. So I decided to take the second week off of this book from drinking 
just to kind of reset my love of the spirits rather than just use drinking as the status quo. Did you like it? Did you miss it? Um, Did you notice? <laughs> like, I guess I go weeks without drink. I go, like, I've gone a week without drinking. I didn't drink the whole time we were living by this Well, you book, were sick but I, the whole time. I was, but I'm you were actually saying, in bed most of the no, time. No, I know. <laughs> and if you were drinking while you were sick, shame on I you. I wasn't. But I know the feeling of when drinking starts to feel like a chore. Like, oh, I have another holiday party. I have to show up. And yeah. like, I have to stay for an hour. So that's probably two drinks or whatever, you know. Yeah. It would be different, I'm sure, if it was, like, the whole month of giving up alcohol or, you know, um, if it was also giving up caffeine or, God forbid, giving up both at the same time. Did you feel accomplished? Do you um, feel like you appreciate drinking more now? Well, I'm excited to go back and have a drink. You was going to say, "Have you had a drink yet?" No, not yet. Oh, interesting. So we can check in on this in the epilogue episode, yeah. in the mini episode. Yeah. I may be drunk then. We'll see. Great, but we'll Good. check in. Good. On. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and lastly, how did you uh, face death, face your own mortality, Kristen? All right. So I tried to think of a time in recent years when I came closest to dying, <laughs> and there is a time. A few years ago, when I was running through the streets and I was on my way to my friend Ilva's house after I had a really great date with a guy whose name I cannot remember, (laughs) this date was a big deal because it came after I left my period of paralysis, after my nana and my mom died, and after I broke up with that off-and-on mismatched Mm -hmm. boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I was just being ridiculous and running through the streets, and I almost got hit by a car. Whoa. And I decided for the step I would try to replicate that by standing in the middle of the street and almost dying. Are you serious? Listen. Oh, that car almost hit me. Um, so I'm standing on this island in the traffic. It's not an island you're supposed to stand on. It's not like that kind of crossing island. It's just a tiny little island, and the cars are speeding back and forth in all directions. And I'm on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, and there are hundreds of cars, and... That one almost came... Okay, so um, there's no cliff around here, like in the book, so I'm standing on this tiny island that looks like it's about five inches wide in the middle of traffic to face death. And um, maybe... Maybe I will see what life and death means from standing on this island. Okay, now I'm just pissed off at you. For doing something so stupid. What the fuck were you thinking? Yeah, that was very was, dangerous and stupid. It was. It was very, like, very look stupid. Look at a picture of a cliff online, Kristen. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> yes, it, it uh, was very stupid. I acknowledge that. Did you face your mortality? Did you glean any insights? Like, No, I mean, here's the thing. It's a stupid exercise for people who've never had to deal with real pain or real death and Frankly, I have had to deal with both those things. And to bring it back full circle to things that I started this podcast with and that you talked about earlier, when my nana and my mom died, Mm -hmm. my nana forgot to sign her do not resuscitate. And I had to talk with the doctors and make the decision to not resuscitate her. That's so hard. When my mom was on life support, I was also the person in the family among all my aunts and uncles and all the other family members, it was my responsibility with both of them Her to daughter. Yeah. do that. And it was horrible. And I 
have had to face death. I had to hold them in my arms as they unplugged them. And the whole idea that you would stand on a cliff or stand in traffic or face death in one of those ways makes me so mad at this Yeah, guy. it's like, it's, like, it's he, irresponsible and infuriating and it, and it's like so entitled, it's insulting. Yeah. Like, I had faced more at like 14 than this guy had. Like, and I did a lot of it to myself too. Like, yeah. But it's just like, don't, like, you're not a hero. Yeah. You're not a hero for like putting yourself through shit. So I ended week two being pretty mad at him. Yeah, yeah. And feeling like that step was a horrible waste and I felt a lot more but I won't even talk about that until we yeah, get to I guess the verdict. We're, yeah, we'll save verdict that for the time. verdict. Save it. Save, save it. it. I want to hear about your tears back up in your eyes <laughs> and save it for the fucking verdict. All right. Let's get to your week two, Joe I want to hear about your week two. Okay. Uh, I started my week two with failure just like you. Uh, I Such t- a fun way to start any week. Right? Yeah. Yes. I took a look at my life and I was like, where am I failing? Everywhere. You um, are no. not a failure. No, no, no. Oh my God. Stop so, it. I'm just, I'm sorry it was a bad joke. I'll stop. <laughs> I gotta stop making these jokes. Okay. Um, actually, I was failing at a joke. Not, this is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously. I have had this idea for a joke that has been driving me crazy. And it's been driving me crazy because I know it's not funny. Like, I know it's not funny, but I can't get it out of my head and I need to do something with it. I'm so curious about this whole process because uh-huh. I am not a comedian. Right. Cameron's a comedian and he's sitting here nodding and you're a comedian <laughs> and like you guys have this whole thing with your brains and comedy. So explain further. I mean, I have a notebook. I write all my joke ideas. I have the idea written down. It's just not a joke. Like, I have tried it in front of many audiences. Like, it doesn't read. But I just did what the book says and I just started doing something. That's what so he says. So I grabbed a pencil and some paper and I started trying once more to write out this joke. And then while I was writing it out, I started drawing little diagrams to make it clearer in the margins. And it started looking a little bit like a comic strip. And then four hours later, with the help of many, many websites, I had created an infographic, Kristen, Whoa. of this joke. And it is titled Sexual Harassment Explained by Bicycles. Whoa. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. So here I am showing my finished infographic to Brad. Is this your infographic? Yeah, I made an infographic. Yes. It's my first one. I love infographics and I love you. I can't wait to see what you can Sexual harassment explained by bikes. In case you still don't quite get it. Imagine you think about it. Here we go. Oh, no. Here we go. Is it too, is it shitty? Imagine, I don't know yet. I think it looks great so far. It looks engaging. Okay, okay, okay. I'm already drawn. You don't need to read it out loud. Imagine your sexuality is an object outside of your own body. Let's say a bike. Your bike, sexuality, (laughs) comes to work with you every day. But no one cares about your bike at work because your bike and its condition have nothing to do with how good you are at your job. Now picture the following workplace scenarios. I'll give you a raise if I can ride your bike. Oh, no. That would be like propositioning sex at work. Today's been crazy, huh? Here, let me rub your, your handlebars so you can relax. I want to touch you. Your bike's looking extra good today. good today. And who knew your tires were so plump? Unwanted comments about anatomy. Does not equal harmless flirting. It does equal sexual harassment. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Is it stupid? Makes sense to me. It makes sense to me, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I turned a failed joke idea into a somewhat entertaining infographic. 
that outlines what sexual harassment would look like if our sexualities were represented by bicycles. Oh, my gosh. You have got to share that with our yeah. much larger Facebook community. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Put I will. It, I, I'll put it on Twitter. I'll put it on Facebook so everyone can check it out. So I guess, you know, I didn't fail. I did something. You are not a failure. We're going to stop using that word at this All moment. Right. I didn't make any mistakes <laughs> with it. Is that that's what Kristen calls failing now? We call that mistakes? All right. Let's move on to rejection. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Rejection. During week two, I was still recovering from the flu. I had no energy. I had a dog that needed constant supervision and a big cone on his head. So it was apparent I was going to have a lot of opportunities to say no to things and reject things because uh, I wasn't really leaving the house. Yeah. So I said no to visiting family. I said no to going to the grocery store. I said no to having sex. What? Yeah. I didn't think you ever said no to having sex. Turns out I love cold sex. Like having sex with the cold is fine. Having sex with the flu like cannot happen. I was in okay, so, so much have bodily sex if pain. You have a cold. Yeah. So feed I don't know. A Do you cold starve a fever? Yeah. Fuck a cold. Don't fuck a fe- don't fuck a flu. Like oh, fuck it all. Um, I even said no to a dear friend of mine. Uh, take a listen. I just said no to something I would normally say yes to. But here's the hard part. I just said no to Kristen. Um, she wanted to do stuff early and I just said no. Let's just do it at the normal time. And it was very hard and I feel awful and I feel like crying and I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why is it so hard to say no? It's Kristen. I know she'll be okay <laughs> if I if I if I say no and she'll be okay if we just do things on our normal schedule and not ahead of time. And like she understands I'm sick and I need to rest and I don't sound well. But it's very hard to say no for things I care about and want to do, even when I should say no. Oh, my God. You have to say no sometimes, and you were super sick. But I had gone into work the day before to make something work, and then you wanted to, like, jump ahead of schedule and be, like, a good worker bee. And then I was like, no. Like, that was a special occasion, not today. You've got to take care of yourself. I Don't know, feel bad about saying bad. no. I felt bad. It's hard. Saying no is hard. But It is hard. It I, is hard. But you know I, what? You know. We've got to do it, and I'm glad you did. Yeah. you got to take, take care of, of myself yes. and not give fucks about you. <laughs> you gotta give a fuck about yourself. Yeah, you do. I know. You gotta do it. I totally support that. No, thank you. So that that was the end of my week too. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? It's time for a verdict. Almost. 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 But first, we have to remind you, our listeners, we love to hear from you. Have you lived by the subtle art of not giving a fuck? Do you give a fuck about too many things you shouldn't give a fuck about? Are you subtle? <laughs> Share your story at buythebook at panoply.fm or at 505-510-BOOK or tweet at Jolenta G or at Kristen Meinzer. Or at buythebookpod. Oh, yes, that too. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Okay, Kristen. It is time to get down to business. Did the subtle art of not giving a fuck work? Do you recommend it? Do we recommend it? This book is a steaming pile of malarkey. Oh, uh, we got the, the M word. Yes, I said it. When I Kristen said it. Like it. I do not like this book. I think this book is 
horrible. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Philosophically, I see what he's trying to do here. Right, right. He, like, he's... social media has brainwashed us to think, like, everything's supposed to be sunshine and puppies. Yeah, and, like, throw yourself into the pain and embrace what – all that stuff. is Like, some of that's just, like, he took some Buddhism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then he uh, took some late-in-life realizations that any human should know by now. Yeah. But – really rich, privileged, heterosexual, cisgender white boy who's never had to deal with problems actually, like, very late in life realized all these things. And he wants a medal for realizing, like, wait, I want to, like, show my wife respect and love her and not, like, fuck strangers. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. No. I really dislike him. I dislike his writing voice. I haven't even talked about how much I hated his writing. I think his writing sucks. And I think his idols are horrible. Like, he constantly talks about the very famously misogynistic writer Charles Bukowski. We know this writer. Oh, right, yeah. And Bukowski, That's like the whole beginning of the book. I forgot about that. Yes. He like gives the life story of Bukowski. Yeah, Bukowski, a guy who was horrible yeah. to people, who did sexually inappropriate things to people, who was an angry, angry person, and this is supposed to be the role model of what we're going to turn into. He keeps on talking about Bukowski, not just that whole section in the beginning, but then yeah. he circles back to him multiple times. And he's times. like circling back to like an artist who was notorious for taking his pain out on like other people. Yeah, like, horrible. Yeah. Do not use him as a role model. And then... One more thing about the death step, Mm -hmm. which we have not talked about yet, is when he's talking about that step. Oh, my God. I forgot this. Okay. You know what I'm about (laughs) to get at here. Oh, go for it, girl. So this is how he faced death by standing on a cliff only after some sort of failed encounter with a really hot Asian girl. And he constantly talks about hot Asian girl. She has no name. She is the only one in the book who he identifies by race. Right. He talks he about many everybody. women who are hot and models and, like, very fuckable. But yes. But somehow only the Asian girl gets the descriptor the of, of Asian. Race. Yes. Yeah. So that also is one of my pet peeves. So he wrote this book with the perception that everyone else reading it knows that white is the default. Why would white be the default? Mm. And the one time it's not the default, it's hot Asian girl, who he just refers to as hot Asian girl. H-A-G, hot Asian girl. Also, isn't this like Cliff on some trip, I'm assuming, because he's like a fancy rich person? Like, so he's... He probably helicoptered in. Yeah, he's on a trip trying to bang a hot Asian girl, being like, whoa, wait, mortality, a cliff. Like, oh, God. It's so horrible. Like, we've all been stoned in 14 and had that realization, dude. It's just, there's so much I hate about this book. And seriously, dude, I'm glad you realized what it takes to be a human being. Yeah, like I'm proud you grew up, but like I'm not going to call you a self-help guru. Yeah. Oh, my verdict, I guess. Oh, is, yes. Uh, <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, here's what I wrote because I'm proud of it. So even though it's clear what I feel, I'm going to say, you know what I don't give a fuck about? Mark Manson yeah! being a self-proclaimed spoil, <laughs> immature womanizer. I don't, don't give a, give fuck, a fuck about that. And even though this book is about getting past thinking you're God's gift to the world, like I could not, like you said, get over his tone. And I feel like his tone also clearly indicated he was still sort of proud of all of his former conquests oh, yeah. and behavior. Like he he's amused over and over by, again. He was amused by how he snuck drugs into school as a high schooler. Yeah, and as a white guy, I'm just I know he's I'm talking a lot about all race the womanizing. This, but try like, being a black kid who snuck drugs into school. All it wouldn't be got, as funny and cute of a story. No, he ended up in a prestigious private school. His parents relocated him to a private yeah, school. Yeah, because they had the money to deal with that. Like, unlike a lot of people. Yeah. I just, I can't. His tone was gross. And he clearly still, he even in writing about overcoming all of this bad behavior, he's still glorifying it. 
and making it like sort of exclusive and for like rich fancy boys and like yeah it's not the best way of life but like believe me because I did it Ugh. like no no and the tone alone of this makes me not want to take this guy's advice also his advice makes me not want to take his advice <laughs> it is for people that have gone unchecked their entire lives and I feel like most people at this day and age have been checked plenty you're a woman you've been checked if you're most any person you've had someone like make you doubt yourself this is a book for you know untouched sociopaths <laughs> and so i think that we agree our verdict is fuck you fuck this book fuck this book fuck you and fuck, this fuck book. the subtle art of not giving a fuck just fuck it and that's it for this episode of by the book our producer is... Cameron fucking Drews. Cameron Drews. Our managing producer is Mia fucking Fuckett Lobel. Thanks also to our fucking composer, Nate Wida, and to Andy fucking Bowers at Panoply. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've lived by the subtle art of not giving a fuck and how it worked or did not work for you. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. You can email us at bythebookatpanoply.fm. You can tweet us at Jalenta G at Kristen Minds or at by the book pod or you can leave us a voicemail at 505-510-BOOK. Also, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts as it helps other people to find the show and if you have not already, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalanta fucking Greenberg. And I'm fucking Kristen Meinzer fucking yeah! Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Sorry. Sorry, well. <laughs> see, Cameron, see how women are programmed? I just said sorry to a Where's wall. The, whereas if you were Mark Manson, you'd say, fuck I'd you, wall. Like, Yo, wall, why were you in my way? I bumped into a wall and was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> this is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.